Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All of us. The U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Gold. It was a move that got a lot of people talking. Mia Fischel, one of the most highly regarded American prospects, did something completely unexpected last month when she turned down a chance to start her pro career in the NWSL and signed with Mexican side Tigres instead. On today's episode of All of Us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show, we will speak with Mia about her decision to join the upstart Liga MX Femenile and why she opted out of what appeared to be a perfect NWSL landing spot. Welcome to the show. My name is Seth Vertelny, and joining me as always is Gold's Women's Soccer Correspondent, Amy Ruskai. Amy, how's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well. I'm, I'm looking forward to this interview today. I think there's a lot to, to get into with Mia and her decision because uh, it, it certainly raised a lot of eyebrows. Yeah, I think it was... Um... I know when she announced it on like her social channels, she kind of talked about wanting to do something that nobody else had done before and kind of carving out this new path. And it was definitely interesting. It wasn't the the normal get drafted into the NWSL or go join PSG or Leon, basically. So, um, yeah, definitely caught a few eyes. It's interesting to pick her brain on, on why she chose to go there and, and what it means for her. Yeah, I remember watching the NWSL draft and as... Orlando came up at the fifth pick. It just seemed like the perfect spot for her, right? She played under current Orlando head coach Amanda Cromwell in college at UCLA. Uh, Orlando had a real need at her position at forward because Alex Morgan had left, Jody Taylor had left. So it just seemed like the perfect fit. And so when Orlando picked her, it was like, yeah, that's a great place for her to start her pro career. And she opted out of Orlando entirely. And, and, and so um, I, I'm really curious as to why that didn't work out. Yeah, I think, um, no, it's it's good to kind of, like you say, it was perfect from the outside looking in. So it's definitely good to actually get to speak to her and ask her about that um, and really get to the to the bottom of why she did what she did. And I mean, it is an exciting move because nobody's ever done it before. And we like, 
I like things like that. Um, and yeah, like I say, just really nice to hear her thoughts and her reasons for for this move that that looks like. I mean, let's you know, it can still be a really good one for her. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. You know, the Liga MX Femenil only started in 2017, and and for the first four years of its existence, it only had Mexican players. So it wasn't until last year when they first started allowing foreign signings. So in that sense, it, it really is kind of a unique and, and trailblazing move for official, you know, no U.S. Women's National Team player has ever come from the Mexican League, and, and, and Fischl is somebody who's considered a, a future senior national team player. She's already been called up to a couple of camps, uh, has yet to, to earn a cap, but she's been a star for the, the youth national teams at various levels. And, and so, you know, once Liga MX Femenil starts featuring U.S. Women's National Team players, you know, that would be a huge milestone for the league and something that would get people in the U.S. paying a lot of attention. Yeah, and it's a really nice, like, it's a really good league. It's a really enjoyable league to watch. I know it's got a lot of kind of broadcasts over in the U.S. as well, so definitely a lot of crossover and can create a lot more interest from a marketing perspective for them. So I'm sure the the marketing team at Liga MX are very happy. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be really... Interesting to see how her time there unfolds and how she gets on and also what kind of wider impact this has. You know, the the league is open now to foreign players to go over there. It'd be interesting to see which foreign players go over, what kind of nationalities, if any US players follow. So yeah, definitely one to watch. All right, Amy, I think we have talked enough. So without further ado, let's bring in Mia and chat with her about her, her big move to Tigres. Mia, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So let's just start with how your move to Mexico and your your first few weeks in Mexico have gone. How's life treating you? How are you adjusting? How's the language? How's everything going? Yeah, everything's good. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to be here a couple months ago, but uh, I, with the whole you know NWSL draft, I I feel like I wanted to take control of my own destiny and, and where I want to play. And with the draft, you just can't do that. So I was looking at all my options and Tigris came and reached out with a, an amazing presentation of what it means to be a Tigris player, you know, their staff, their team, how they're built, um, built for champions, built for sold out stadiums and amazing fan base that have global re- uh, media recognition. So it was really hard to pass up um, this opportunity knowing um the many opportunities I would get as being a, a Tigris player. Um, getting here, it's it's I can't really complain about really anything. Um, this this team and staff have opened you know their their arms with a warm welcome for me ever since I got landed in um, Monterey. Um, like I said, the team's been amazing. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect as being a rookie. You know, my first professional team. I I've heard stories about how that can go. And this was quite the opposite experience than than what I've I've heard, and I'm just super grateful to have an amazing first professional soccer team um, that took me in like their own. Uh, the I've been used to you know Spanish. I took like five four or five years of Spanish in um, high school, and so I, it's easy for me to pick up the language a little bit quicker than I think others. And they've also been very receptive in helping me out um, with the language barrier. Some of them speak English as well, which helps to, you know, try to bridge that gap in communicating with the team. 
but it's been amazing so far for the past three weeks I've been here. What's your kind of early impression of the level of play in Mexico? You know, you, you haven't played in the NWSL, of course, but, you know, can you compare it to kind of, you know, the college soccer you were playing, national team, youth level, senior national team camps? What it's like? Um, I mean, my first training, what it felt like a national team training. Um, what they were doing, the drills, and the competitiveness of every single player on that team, it felt, I mean, just just like a national team camp, which – you know, was a lot of worry before coming here in the league. Um, a lot of talk that, hey, like, we don't know how uh, the Mexico League is, how it will develop me, how it will become. Is it too easy? But um, this team, like, like that was presented to me, is, is the best team in Mexico. And I definitely felt that from all the trainings I've been in so far. Um, the intensity, the, um, the attention to detail from the coach on what we're training and how we're training for games and and even for development as a player, it's it's been amazing. Um, it's been a big, you know, relief that I don't have to worry about my development here. I know I'm, I'm going to grow with the likes of Fani and Mercado and Belen. So, I mean, I've been really happy with the training environment here. I want to go back a few months uh, before you were deciding where you wanted to play professionally. You had to decide whether you wanted to play professionally or whether you wanted to return to UCLA for another season. Uh, take us through your your thought process when you were deciding whether to come out early and go pro or, or stay at UCLA, and you know what were some of the factors that went into you deciding to uh, go pro? Yeah, I think um, the biggest uh, like reason was I, I got to UCLA with a big start. I mean, I had um, an incredible freshman year with the team, like kind of like what Tigris did with me. They opened me up with you know a warm welcome and, and got me in, you know, competitive trainings, um, broke into the starting lineup um, at UCLA and I developed really quickly in that level. And so after the the second year during the COVID year, um, I felt my development was hitting a wall. It was no other way for me to develop. I knew what the college system was like. Um, I was very comfortable with the trainings at, at UCLA and um, I just felt like I want to be the best player in the world. And this is not another year here. Isn't going to help me as a soccer player. And so I um, decided after talking to the, my coaches and my family that um, if I want to be the best soccer player in the world, I have to, to go professional uh, play professionally early. So, I mean, that was a big reason why I left was because my development kind of hit a wall in the college system. You were drafted by Orlando. Um, what was the kind of communication around that? When did you know they were going to pick you and, and what were the conversations like with the club about, you know, possibly going there? Yeah, that's, this is the like crazy part. I, I, I knew like a couple minutes before I got drafted that I was going to Orlando Pride. So, um, that wasn't my, my top choice, um, to go to Orlando and I didn't hear anything. Uh, from the general manager, the coaches about uh, me going there. So it was kind of like a little bit of a shock. And I think that was, um, you know, it, it kind of sucked being in that position, knowing that, you know, I wanted to go to um, other teams and I got chosen to a team that hasn't talked to me yet and, and how I feel. Um, but I think that's, that was, that's why I kind of opened up my options of where I want to play professionally. Like I said, like, um, Tigris came, they came strong. They had a, a whole presentation, you know, how they can see me on the, on the team, um, what could, what they can offer. And so, um, I think that was, you know, 
my the biggest decision decider of the, of that. So you said that Orlando wasn't your top choice. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Why they they weren't a place that you necessarily wanted to go? Um, I would just say like I'm not. You know, it's a it's a rebuilding team. Um, they have you know amazing players as well, like Marta and and Senior Larue. Um, but I was looking at uh, bigger you know clubs like Portland Thorns or my or my. Uh, my coach in the U20s, Laura Harvey, um, just like the familiarity with her and, and how I really liked how she coached. Um, so, but like I said, the NWSL draft, it's it's not a hundred percent up to me. You know, that's how the draft is kind of built. And um, yeah. So I guess, you know, then the, the offer from Tigres comes to your attention. Um, when did that kind of come through? And can you talk us through that process of, I guess, choosing to go to Mexico in, instead of going to Florida? Yeah, um, like I said, I have my own brand, Big Fishel Energy, and it's about, you know, confidence, strength, and empowerment. And I want to be the decider of what happens with my soccer career. And and like I said, I had a full presentation on what they can do. And it was meeting all the boxes that I needed as a, as a rookie coming into the professional world. And um, I really like what they're pitching. And, you know, they haven't let me down since then. So um, it's been amazing. There are also some reports that uh, you're earning more in Mexico than you would have in the NWSL. Um, can you speak about that at all? Are you able to confirm that? And can you speak, you know, how much, you know, the financial aspect, if at all, you know, played into your decision to, to sign in Mexico? I can't say really financially, but I mean, I will say that, you know, the the minimum that you can make in the NWSL is 22K. And so, you know, that's the minimum that you can you can get in the NWSL, and they, they just change it to I think like 35 k and and no other league has uh, a min or a max, which you know um, which helps with that as a player and, and what we deserve you know going playing professionally. Does it feel like this is quite a big moment for the league in Mexico? I mean, we had. Um one of the the directors of the league on the podcast last season, actually. And she talked about how ambitious they were and trying to attract the top players. And, you know, bringing somebody like yourself in, you know, a, a top prospect from the US is a really big deal for Mexico. I mean, um, do you know, does it feel like that's quite a big move for the league? And, you know, the, the ambition in the league, how did that kind of attract you over there, do you think? Yeah, I mean, what I did was historical. You don't see... Um, you know, U.S. players coming to Mexico kind of with the the path of going to college and then entering the draft and then, you know, trying to break through and, and hopefully get to the, to the national team. Um, so this hasn't been done yet. And um, the rate at which the, the league has been growing was also very appealing. They've only been here for five years or so. And um, like I said, the global media recognition, the passionate fans playing in stadiums, you just don't get that in the U.S. And, you know, I think that I deserve to be in a place where I would be appreciated and and seen. And I think that, like I said, the trainings and and the games are, you know, they're not easy. They're they're very hard. They're very intense. So um, I'm really happy. And, and I hope that I can grow this league as well. But with being here and creating another path um, for other players in the U.S. who may think that the NWSL is not their choice. 
you've been involved with the the U.S. Youth National Teams for for many years now, and you've also been called up to a, a senior national team camp. Uh, I'm wondering if you had any conversations at all with anyone from U.S. Soccer, whether it's Flacco or anybody else, um, about this move, and and I'm wondering uh, if it's at all a concern for you that this move could potentially hurt your national team chances. You know, maybe it's harder for U.S. scouts to see you on a week-to-week basis. Um, maybe if you do well, some scouts or someone with the national team might say it's not against the same level of competition. Like, how, how does that all factor into your into your decision? Yeah, that was that was on top of our list of concerns because my goal is to be on the women's national team, and that was a big piece on if that's going to be okay with me coming to um, Mexico. So my agent reached out to many U.S. soccer coaches um, that are on the like top of the coaching list there. And he made sure that it would be fine for me to go to Mexico. They didn't have a problem with it. They, they just care about um, that I'm playing down here and, and I'm developing and I'm, and I'm doing my best. So as long as they're able to see me, which they can, um, I think that was the most important for them. But my decision to come to Mexico um, didn't affect my chances of being on the, on the national team. As you can see, I just went to um, the U23 camp in Texas, Austin. So um, they're totally fine with me being in the Mexican League and, and playing for the U.S. Me official, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. And, and best of luck moving forward with T-Grace. And hopefully we'll see you with the uh, senior national team soon as well. Thank you. I appreciate your time. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Get the latest news and views on the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL on Goal. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal. All right, that was me, official. Amy, Initial thoughts, what were a couple things that stood out to you from what Mia said? I think there was a lot of interesting things in there. I think one thing that stood out to me straight away was the fact that she didn't have any communication from Orlando before they drafted her, which I was surprised at because we mentioned it at the top of the show, but obviously her former coach at college was there. So you would have thought that they sent a little text saying, oh, by the way, you know, you, you might be coming to Orlando sort of thing. So that kind of surprised me. I think there was a lot of interesting things in there. Um, the Speaking to US soccer as well about the move and, and then, you know, being happy with her going to Mexico as long as she was playing was, um, was interesting. Um, what about you? What stood out for you? One of my biggest takeaways from that is that even though she clearly is happy at Tigres and she's happy with her decision to play in Mexico there's no doubt that she would have been happy to play in the NWSL if she was able to pick her destination and I know that there's been a lot of talk about whether the draft system is necessarily a fair way to disperse players just from a player's perspective because they just don't have any say in where they end up and and so I think from an NWSL perspective, Mia official is kind of a the pers- the personification of an issue with the uh, NWSL draft. Like here's a player that you could have landed, and I know that it's not necessarily easy to find a, a fair and equitable way to distribute players that owners are necessarily going to get on board with. I mean, you can say just 
send the players to the highest bidder, but I don't know if owners are necessarily going to be too happy with that. But Fischl is definitely an example of, of a player that, that could be in the NWSL right now, a, a player who has huge potential, somebody that the NWSL would want to market, you know, someone that could be a future star for the national team. And, and to see her in Mexico now, it has to, to raise a few eyebrows and raise a few questions about, how the draft system works and whether it's necessarily the best way to distribute players who are coming out of college. I think we've had a lot of questions, haven't we, about, you know, structure around the NWSL and things like that in recent years. You know, you you look at somebody like Katarina Macario, obviously, you know, didn't go into the NWSL, ended up going over to Europe. Um, I think, and I know Mia touched on this, sort of the salaries, the salary cap um, was... You know, is something that has gone up, and I know we talked about um all the the new CBA last week with with Megan Burke, um, but the the fact that you can kind of go outside of the NWSL and make more money. I mean, you think about it, players' careers are not long. Like a footballer's career is not long, and in a women's footballer's case, you're making less money than like a men's footballer. I think we're used to kind of like slagging off uh, men's footballers for going to China or the Middle East or something to get a lot of money. But you have to think about it. Like, I think it's quite mature that she's thinking about that sort of thing at such a young age, about kind of, you know, the financial side of it as well. Because, you know, you only get to make so much money in your career. Um, I do think it's a good move, though. And if you think about the size of the club, I think this is one thing that um, I know in America you will probably be, you know, Tigres is a big club. But... Like, you know, here in the UK, it is, I know who Tigres are, but like, I think um, it was the, the French guy, the Andrea Pierre, is it Gignac? Went yes, to Gignac. Went to, yeah, Gignac, my French is awful. Um, <laughs> went to um, went to Tigres and he's like an absolute icon out there. I think like, it's one of these, it's one of these clubs of Tigres where like, if you get the fans on side, she talks about the massive fan base, the sold out stadiums, like you can become an absolute legend overnight. I think that's a really cool opportunity that she has there to do that. Yeah, and I remember we had the head of Liga MX Femenil on last season, Gutierrez Bernardez, and we were talking to her about some of the built-in advantages that her league has maybe over the NWSL. And, and one of the big ones is these big brand name clubs with built-in fan bases. I mean, it's Club America, it's Chivas, it's Pumas, it's Tigres. These are icons of of Mexican soccer that carry a lot of weight and so when Mia was talking about Tigres giving her this presentation they're talking about a, a globally recognized brand and a huge fan base and a big stadium that can be used and and, and these are are things that the NWSL is really going to have to start to to pay attention to and reckon with in terms of competition for players because Liga MX Femenil is still pretty new. It's only five years old, and yet this is a this is a statement signing. And uh, I, I remember Gutierrez Bernardez telling us about uh, the ambition of her league, and and I think we have a clip from uh, her appearance on our show that we can play quickly right now. We've only been developing for five years, so we understand that our main purpose is to become a sustainable league. As a result, our players are going to be able to live off this profession. 
this is our main objective. That's what we are being, trying to, to build. Increase the incomes of the league. We want to be the best league in the world. We're working on that. We understand we have everything to become one of the biggest, toughest league in the world. So there you go. I mean, th- it's definitely a, a league that the NWSL, if they weren't paying attention to before, they're, they're definitely paying attention to now. Well, was it 2019 when the the final for Liga MX Femenil, the, the kind of championship game, had more viewing figures in the US than the NWSL championship game, wasn't there? And you look at like the, the attendances that they've been getting are even greater than you know NWSL games. I think they had something like 30,000 there for one of the massive games recently. Um, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but you know the interest is there and like it's just going to... That's five years in, like barely five years in. We're only at the beginning of 2022. Um, so if that's after five years, like think about it in another five years. Like I really do not think that Mia Feshel is going to be the only US player that goes over there because it's a really exciting league. It's an exciting opportunity. You me- we mentioned the brands. The, just all the opportunities that are out there are so new and they're only just accessible. So I bet that's quite exciting for a player to, you've never been able to go to Mexico before because it's been no foreign players. And now you have this new exciting opportunity, not too far from home. And yeah, I can see I can see the appeal. I can see the appeal, especially when you bring in a, a club as big as Tigre. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning too that it was only a couple months ago that the NWSL announced that that players were no longer going to have contracts with their federations anymore. So there were a certain number of U.S. and Canadian players that were being paid by their federations but playing in the NWSL, and that kind of limited the movement of these players because they were kind of incentivized to stay in the NWSL. And now they're all free to play wherever they want. You know, you could have a, a U.S. national team that could go from exclusively NWSL players a couple of years ago to players playing all over uh, with only a handful of NWSL players if they get the right offers. You know, we've already seen Lindsey Harango to Lyon this year. Uh, and so there's just increasing competition from all over now. And it's not just the big European teams as we see. So it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to follow for the, the NWSL, how they can incentivize these players to, to stay home. And I think it's basically going to be about money. Like there's, there's a number of factors involved, but if they get a, a lucrative offer from, from Mexico or for, from Europe, now they're going to be empowered to take it. I think as well, if you spent your whole career in the NWSL, if you get to sort of your 30s and you, you get an offer from Mexico, from Europe, why not? Like, you don't know anything outside of the NWSL. Why not, like, before you hang up your boots, kind of go out there and try something else? And it's a different culture. Um, do you know, I know when a lot of the US players came out to England, they were talking about kind of the culture of English soccer, English football, and um, just how, like, it's so steeped in history and really enjoying that and a lot of them got to play at some of these huge grounds Old Trafford and things like that um so it is that there is that incentive of just trying something different having spent you know apart from major tournaments and things like that having spent pretty much your entire career just playing on US soil it must be it'll be something that a lot of players will be like well why not I'm not going to get this offer again so let's just go for it and Mexico's creeping into that conversation now of being able to offer that 
yeah, it's definitely going to be something worth following uh, in the coming months and years as the, the, the women's game kind of expands globally. Uh, so let's leave it there for this week. Um, thank you as always for listening. And as a reminder, please subscribe and give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. And we will be back to chat with you next week. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal.